when he broke it down, like it made perfect sense. So when you're this pillar and you're expect you're expecting yeah. you yeah. to be the pillar, that ain't always what they're expecting out exactly. of you. And that's where it comes where you have to mentally break down the construct you built about you in your head exactly. to be in what it actually yeah. is. Bitches still bitching, snitches still snitching, rappers still capping like a crooked politician. Me, I'm in the back, I'm just booling, breaking, sticky. You see, working wasn't working, so I had to switch the mission. Now, this the DA show, the DA show, the DA show, the DA show. What's up? This is the DA Show, and I'm the DA Show. And right now, I'm about to play you my new single called No Empathy. So listen to that, check it out, enjoy it, stream it, and share it with your homies. Mama said never let them see the tears on your cheek. Going through it on the no toes, not to speak. Stress the fuck out, woke all night, can't sleep. But I'm a man, I don't need no empathy. Made a promise to myself, I can't die in these streets. But still down for war, I'ma slide if it's beat. Can't put that shit aside, it's that pride in me, Pete. And I'm a man, I don't need no empathy. Somehow, you get used to getting kicked while you wounded. Nobody tend to give a fuck when niggas going through it. Leaning on these vices, trying to deal with the crisis in my life, even though I know the price is me losing. The people that I love, that I'm trying to protect. The same ones who put me down when I'm fighting stress. Only love me at my best, be my worst as a curse. Yeah, I ain't got the heart to put their names in a verse. Uh, getting high, dealing with the hurt. Like how the ones who put me last, the only ones I put first. Why I'm going out my way, they wouldn't do this in reverse. But a man don't complain, can't wear them feelings on my shirt. Uh, Pussy nigga, you scared, go to church. If a nigga talking beef, you know I'm in it head first. And I'm far from a G, just prepared for the worst. Nigga finally find some peace when I'm dead in a hearse. Mama said never let them see the tears on your cheek. Going through it on the low toes, not to speak. Stress the fuck out, woke all night, can't sleep. But I'm a man, I don't need no empathy. Made a promise to myself, I can't die in these streets. But still down for war, I'ma slide if it's beat. Can't put that shit aside, it's that pride in me, Pete. And I'm a man, I don't need no empathy. Uh, working 60 hours, barely making shit. Make it hard to look at your boss like he not a lick. Make you notice that your girl talk a lot of shit. Swear you less than a man, cause you not as rich. Type shit, make it hard not to call her a bitch. Same time, how you plotting how to cop a brick. Like fuck the politics, that suit and tie polish shit. When you ain't eating, everybody else can swallow dicks. How you praying God make a way through all this shit? Homies dying left and right, it hurt to reminisce. Back when we was boys, fist fighting over toys. This life thing ain't left a nigga shit but open sores. Too much trauma from your youth, it be hard to ignore. Fuck is a therapist when everybody living poor. Niggas robbing stores, niggas kicking doors. Is you living when breathing just feel like a trauma? Mama said never let them see the tears on your cheek. Going through it on the low toes, not to speak. Stress the fuck out, woke all night, can't sleep. But I'm a man, I don't need no empathy. Made a promise to myself, I can't die in these streets. But still down for war, I'ma slide in this beat. Can't put that shit aside, it's that pride in me, Pete. And I'm a man, I don't need no empathy. And I'm a man, I don't need no empathy. And I'm a man, I don't need no empathy. And 
I'm a man. I don't need no empathy. This is the DA show. I'm the DA show. Here with my guy. He don't know it. I read him as my music mentor or one of my music mentors. Oh, wow. <laughs> one of the first people. No, nah, for real, you gave me one of my first actual jobs in music. The only one I probably had, but the first. And, you know, a lot of things, just conversations with you. I'm like, dog, you really shaped how I move with Uber in this. So, wow. you know, I got to give you flowers. <laughs> my guy, Jay Aaron. That's a right? Yeah, that, I'm hood. We say Aaron. <laughs> whatever works for you. I mean, it's Jay Aaron, Jay Aaron, whatever y'all want to know. You know, it's J. That's my name. Don't wear it out. <laughs> How you doing, man? Man, I'm good today. I'm real good today. All right, man. It's always good to be black. Uh, so anything you want to tell the people before we get into it? Uh, let's talk about. I guess uh, I'm formerly J Rock Soul. Um, just not getting back into music. Uh, I took a break. Uh, what else do I want y'all to know? Singer, songwriter, actor, entertainer, getting back into being a dancer. We're going to slowly get back into that. <laughs> um, that's about it. Working on new music. Album's going to drop uh, late summer. So, yeah, that's about it. That's all I got. Turn up, turn up. <laughs> all right, man. So, you heard the song. Yes, I heard Name the song. Name of the song. Dope shit, dope shit. Dope shit. Okay, I'm about to ask you what you think. All right, all right. But yeah, okay. So name, like I said, name of the song, it's No Empathy. And it's basically about how it feels, at least for me and really my friends, because a lot of what I'm saying is things I've said, but also conversations with my friends that I made those lyrics out of. But it's like the general feel of how it feels to be a black man. Right. Essentially. <laughs> Essentially. Right. I mean, yeah, because like if you go through the lyrics, like stretching... It's like, if you listen to it, you can kind of tell this can't be just one person with exactly. all the things that this person I'm rapping or is, is going through. So it's like, but it's because it's like pieces of my story, pieces of your story, pieces of other friends' stories, just all woven together. And I tried to get the things I feel like it seemed like we all connected on and tried to weave those together to make the song, essentially. But uh, name of the song is No Empathy. So I guess... Uh, First question I would ask is like, well, like as a black man, like, do you think we receive empathy? No, essentially, I don't think so. I think it's getting to that point now where we're getting the empathy that we should have been getting all along. I think that uh, people tend to put a monolithic experience on all black people. So we're expected to be strong. We're expected to be pillars of our community. We're expect expected to be like pillars of society. But I think that for a lot of America and the world for black people, uh, it's a unique thing to see that we have layers. We're all different. You know, my experiences and your experience, you know, uh, our experiences uh, aren't my siblings' experiences and so on and so forth. But uh, I don't think that we've gotten it like we are getting now. Like, I think now we're, it's okay for us to get therapy. Versus ten years ago, even I remember where if you went to therapy, you were uh, you laughed out, of here. you were getting laughed out, you were psycho, you were crazy, you know, something was wrong with you. Exactly. But uh, now it's looked at mental health is such a, uh, I think people have started finally realizing that things that work for our grandparents, you know, God bless them, you know that that's what worked for them. But for us, that we need. Uh, we need tools, different tools, to get through a different society. Not just that, but like evolution in time, you know. As each generation, each generation deals with something the generation before it didn't have to deal with. Exactly. So, you know, for our grandparents, because, like, my grandparents definitely still have rights age. 
So for our grandparents, they were dealing with that section of life, civil rights. For our parents, they were dealing with black people coming into America and the actual business and all that and coming up. And then for us, we actually get to sit down, I feel like, explore like our mental, emotional states. How has, people always say the last, what's called, I'm trying to get it right, the last 400 years in America, not 400 years of slavery. Niggas always say 400 years of slavery. And, and I'm like, nigga, what? We ain't been at that long. It wasn't 400 <laughs> years of slavery, nigga. That's how I had to make sure I catch myself too. But like, this is 400 years in America and what it's done to us, you know, from slavery to the image and after slavery of how we look at ourselves to things like, well, you know, you hear us saying things like representation. We need to be seeing things like you said, us being a monolithic, them looking at us like a monolith. When it's like, no, we are all individuals with different personalities, thought process, beliefs, and feelings and all of these things. So I think like this is just our generation's thing that we're going to tackle, though, that as we normalize this, our kids will find the other thing that we're not paying attention to, of course. Each generation is supposed to make it better for the next. Exactly. But that's what makes it so funny when your parents be like, y'all, y'all punk-ass kids. We just like, like nigga, that, exactly. And that was torture. <laughs> you niggas was being tortured. <laughs> we right. trying to break y'all out of that. And, you know, and it helps because, you know, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people I'm cool with because of their own mental health journeys and stuff, they've gotten their parents to go, go to counseling. I know you watch that young love lot. That's like one of my favorite things when the person she's talking to, when they get the parents in too, and you start seeing how things that were happening to the parents that because of how their generation was, you know, the whatever happened in the family, stay in the house, they not even talking to their kids about it. It's like they've been through the things their kids been through, and they don't even, because of how they was raised, they refuse to even relate to the kid almost. But yeah. Man, look. It's, yeah, when you really sit down and think about it, it's a lot. <laughs> like, even now, like, uh, I'm just watching as the older I get, how different my parents are changing. Like, uh, my dad, you, you, you're you familiar with him. Like, uh, me and him, out of all of his kids, we're kind of like oil and water. So, the way he raised us is kind of different than how he's dealing with us now. And it's kind of weird. <laughs> because the same man, like, that was... You know, you got whoopings for everything or, you know, had expected you to be this pillar or this uh, this strength like he is now like, OK, you can feel it's OK. You know, if you need to cry, you know, he'll, and I'm sitting there looking like, nigga, what? <laughs> and so, I mean, because I've been in therapy, I've been in therapy since 2016. So these words are not unfamiliar to me. You know, it's things that I've been working on, but to hear it come from that generation and that tie is is different as an adult. I, yeah, you know, it's crazy because when we think about time, right, we don't think about the fact that everybody's experiencing this at the same time. So at the same time, you're getting the information. Right. Your dad could be getting the information. And it's like, so you look at him like, who are you? But it's like, they keep evolving like we keep evolving. I think like, I feel like this is the age where we realize our parents are people. You know, like when we kids, we look at our parents like, you know, and that's just by the logic. We don't know anything. So we have to follow them and learn from them. But then we start hitting 24, 25. We have to actually talk to your parents and you start listening to their reasoning behind stuff. And you like, and then you, you realize, raised me like that? <laughs> like as a kid, you think your parents are supermen and superwomen, but I'm five years older than what my dad was when I was born. Exactly. So it's like if you were in the same headspace as I was, I can give you a little bit of grace, you know, because... I say that a lot with dealing with parents. My friends think I'm crazy because I'd be like, yo, a lot of times the stuff that happened when I was a kid, I just let it go. And they'd be like, why? I said, because your parents don't know how to be parents. I said, so like, if it wasn't like 
some parents are abusive. Some people, and some of my friends, I, I, I have to tell them, like, you have to learn that your parent was abusive. Everybody's parent wasn't abusive. Some of our parents mm-hmm. just didn't know how to handle that situation. Mm-hmm. And as you get older, you be like, look back on some of them, be like, they was really trying their best, it seemed like. It's, at least with my parents, I look back and I, I feel like they were trying their best. They really just gave me the tools that they had. And that's all and they for can us, do. It's they- way more expensive. We got our phone. You can find any. You can go on YouTube and look for techniques for if a kid is going through this, that, and the other, and they can be valuable techniques. So it's like what we have versus what they had, just the, the change in pace of things in these last 20 years or so, it's like it's hard to look at my parents and be like, oh, man, you ruined my life. It's like for my mom, at least, considering the neighborhood we're from, none of us have a criminal record. So I'm like, if nothing else, that is amazing in itself because right, right. a lot of my friends are. Before we were 16, they had felonies, a lot of my friends. I think the older we get, we can appreciate them as people a lot more versus being parents. Like, you can see, like, we talking about no empathy. I didn't have empathy for my father growing up. Like, I didn't. Especially, you know, we went through our little tumultuous situations, you know, because we are contrasting personalities. He's (laughs) emotional. I am not. (laughs) So, uh, it's like... Now that I'm kind of in your shoes, like I get to see things from your perspective that I wouldn't necessarily have seen growing up in your house. But uh, speaking of such, because we're on the emotional tip or whatever, my uh, you know, I had another question. Hold up, my bad right now. <laughs> Essentially, the next question is like I said, only because we step into emotions. It's like, do you think we're I guess you already answered this by what you just got done saying. I see. I asked you, do you think we're emotionally equipped to even deal with adulthood? Just like as a black man, do you think like, I'm not even gonna say 18 by the time you hit 21, 22, do you even think that what you have been taught in life made you equipped to deal with the emotions and different things that come into adulthood? Overall? No, I don't think we are. Um, a lot of things, that I have been noticing is black men don't do well, deal well with rejection. We don't deal well with, um, um, claiming happiness. Like a lot of times you'll catch most, and I know noticing a lot in the music too. If you're not angry or if you're not horny, that's it. That's all we're expected to do. Or you high. Or you high. Yeah. But that's an escape. So it's like, um, where, because we are multifaceted and multi-layered, you got other stuff in there. And I think that you need to really take time out and surround yourself, number one, with people that will, you know, enhance you bettering yourself. Exactly. We're not equipped. Um, but a lot of that goes to upbringing, um, pressure we put on ourselves, because in actuality, a lot of the things that we go through are self-inflicted. And mm-hmm. I think that we have to shift our perspective because that's really how therapy is. Therapy helps you shift your perspective so you can see things differently. Exactly. So I think that uh, coming into adulthood, you got so many, so much pressure that we put on ourselves to try to meet up to this standard of what the, and I'm doing air quotes because y'all can't see me, what black men are supposed to be and not realizing that although you're a black man, you're an individual. You're supposed to be the best you you can be. Exactly. I feel like I feel the same way you feel that, like, you know, I wasn't equipped uh, emotionally to handle. I know I wasn't. Like I said, 23 is when I ended up going to counseling, so I knew I wasn't equipped emotionally. And, like, some of it was just, like what you said, uh, rejection. I had to learn in my early 20s on my own that, like, 
rejection is just a part of life. And I I don't mean like rejection from a person, but just rejection in general. Like, yeah, you may not win. You know, so you may you not know, win. You may, may not, not get, get that the, job. You may not get that job. You may not get that promotion. You might not get the grade that you feel like you studied for. And I feel like, you know, granted, that's kind of what made my skin thick going through college and having to deal with it on my own. At the same time, it's like, I just wish somebody had like, took me, I don't know, just like when I went through things when I was a kid, just taught me through a thing. Like, you know, I used to call it overthinking when I'd have anxiety attacks. I had to go to counseling and find out what it was. So I'd be like, I mean, you know, I just be overthinking sometimes. And she was like, what do you mean? I was like, you know, just sometimes I just I have a thought on my head and no matter what I do, I just can't get it off and it just starts bothering me. But I can tell you from age eight to age 18, man, I had like four or five serious anxiety attacks that I can remember because I can remember like, and probably afterwards too, like uh, a couple times after, in my, uh, even after council, but I can remember just like pacing back and forth, like, in fact, how my last podcast, <laughs> if we being real, how it was created was because I was having an anxiety attack. And I said, I need to go kick it with my niggas because I can't, I'm not, I refuse to think of that's how I learned. Like when, you know, you're having it for people who don't have it. Like I don't have it to the point where I had to get medication for it. So I just have to learn how to get away from it or change yeah. my thought process or whatever. But if we in real was created because I was having an anxiety attack and I was like, I need to go kick it with my niggas because I'm not going to deal with this shit. We went and kicked it at Waffle House and we was laughing so hard. I was like, this can be my podcast right here. Right. But, you know, which I, I don't want to hype these things up because I keep leading to the things that came from it. But it's still to say, like, because somebody had been paying attention when I was a kid and saw that happen. Yes. It, it happened multiple times when I was a kid. And somebody had been like, that is not normal behavior. But it for our community, it is normal behavior because no one was going to therapy. No one's going to, so, you know, you see a person tripping and like, I don't know if you had one, but you have, you liable to do anything when you're having an anxiety attack. When you're going through any of these, I want to call it bursts of rage or whatever, you know, when it's uh, bipolar, they call it revving up. But when you're going through one of, anything's likely to happen. And the bad part about it, anything like that happens is that when something violent or catastrophic happens, when you calm down and you see what you've done and you like, what the fuck have I done? You're also being bombarded with everybody else. Like, what the fuck have you done? And calling you a monster. And it's like, you done it out of your head for real. Like, not even figurative. Like, I didn't been levels of angry. That's like why I like stay away. Things that make me mad, I just let it go. I'd be like, no, you can have it. If I'm arguing with people, I'd be like, yo, you can have it. But it's because like I didn't been levels of mad where I like. When I came down, I can't even remember what happened while I was mad. I and I'm like, I can't live that. I can't have that be my life or whatever. Right. But granted, had I never gone to counseling, I wouldn't have even known that that was not normal. Because like I said, I'm from a neighborhood. Like, uh, people don't know where Riverside is. Niggas get murdered. In Niggas get shot and murdered in Riverside. So mm -hmm. it's like, I'm trying to be the toughest person I can be because like you never know who going to try you or whatever. I'm using my anger as leverage almost. Like, I get mad enough, I can fight anybody. So I'd be like, you know, I'm using it as leverage for protection. But when you think about it, it's like, that's not... Those you are can't survival instincts. Exactly. You can't take that and then push that person. Then I went to, like, I went to college, like, multi, multi-racial, black, everything. So it's like, you take that, you build that up, and then you put that out into the world. And, you know, thank God for the good guidance that I did have. That was enough to level me off and not do nothing crazy. But like I said, just things that I was dealing with emotionally and all that, like rejection. I remember like the girls dated at the time we broke up. I was like mentally, cause in my head, like, you know, we raised in an area where like people just put up with your shit forever. Mm -hmm. 
You know, we see black couples growing up with like, oh, you see them every day. They probably in the, uh, the streets arguing or whatever. But they stayed together throughout all that shit. I watched my grandma and granddad cuss each other out every day till they left, right? Though in my head, that's just what you do. But I'm dating somebody who wasn't raised like that. So when I'm wilding out, tripping it, and not, granted, I ain't get violent or nothing, but like, because of how I was raised, I was verbally abusive. Because I thought that's how you talk to people. You know, that's how I was spoken to as a child. Shut the fuck up. Shut your dumb ass up. And, you know, you just walk out the room. You don't think nothing of it. So when I'm talking to people, I'm like, man, shut that stupid ass shit up. I'm not knowing you can't talk to your girl like that. Nah. Because that's how I'm being talking to. And the example, the the male role model that I had in my life, I'm not going to name them because I sound bad. But the male role model I had in life, that's how they talk to women. Yeah. So... And I'm thinking, this person always has women. You know, as young kids, like, we don't have a good bar- barometer of what an uh, upstanding black man should look like. So we take the things that we want. So if this person always got women, I'm a young black man. I want to have a lot of women. He do this. He keep women. This can't be wrong. But in actuality, now that at, at 30, no, nah, that was terrible. You can't talk yeah. to people like that and expect them to stick with you or respond to you or nothing. Because if they are, you do, you're doing some type of damage to them almost that's keeping them there. Which makes it horrible. Yeah. But it's like I said, we just not even equipped for it. And we got to go out here and learn it all. And in the midst of us learning, we have to be persecuted for the things that we don't know. But it's like, how would we know that? We ain't, I ain't never seen that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you see Bill Cosby, you see the Cosby show. But for real, in your household, it, your dad ain't Bill Cosby, your mom ain't Claire Hustable. These normal yeah. people. And like I said, they had less access to information that we had. So all the crazy things they would be saying to each other. I didn't watch uh, grandparents threaten to shoot parents. <laughs> and I just like playing with a toy. Like, all right, that just be happening. Yeah, but that's where we have to be the change that we, you know, need to see. Exactly. So it, it starts with, you know, every single black man that wants to see change, regardless of if people embrace it or not. You know, you got to be comfortable with you because uh, something that somebody told me said, uh, if you are cool with the decisions that you've made at the age of 80, then you lived a good life. Mm-hmm. So I live my life now where if this decision that I'm making right now, if it doesn't serve me or benefit me to where I'm going to be happy with it in the long run, I can't do that. And then even with, uh, like I said, it starts with us. How are you dealing with those, you know, younger people in your life? How are you, you know, uh, exemplifying change? Because if we keep holding up this toxic example of what black men are supposed to be, it's going to perpetuate and keep going. It's going to keep going. So you have to, like, even like what you said with kids, um, we have to keep a balance of some stuff that work. Because uh, one thing I can't stand is an entitled kid. And one thing I hate that they're taking out when it comes to these kids is, you know, everybody gets a participation trophy or everybody gets, but that breeds mediocrity. So when they do get rejected, I don't understand why I'm being rejected because I I got trophies coming up. But no, somebody needs to let you know when you're falling short so you can work to be better. Exactly. But it don't have to be, it doesn't have to be rough, but you can tell like, well, these are the things, these are the things that you didn't do that disqualify. It don't have to be rough. It don't have to be, you're a loser. Yeah, we ain't saying why. that, but what but I'm definitely like, saying... But you do understand that there are areas that you're going to have to improve in, and it's better to learn that as a child than as an adult, because yeah. I know adults now who lives are stagnant because they don't know how to sit back and just critique their own selves, critique the decisions that they're making. And like, if you can't look at yourself as a whole, 
I feel like anything that you're doing, you have to be able to see the good and the bad. Just like I said earlier with decision making, if you can't see the bad, then how do you even know what you need to work on? You know, if you're a basketball player and for some reason you don't realize it's just shitty at dribbling, you're not going to the NBA. You, <laughs> you got to learn because even if it's not your strong suit, you still exactly. got to learn a way to get around it. I may not be the best dribbler, but I can pass my ass off and I know how to shoot. I mean, you know, you got to figure out. You got to figure it all good and bad. And you got to accept that you can't win everything and every time. Like, you're going to exactly. take losses, but you're supposed to learn from those losses. Exactly. You can't uh, walk around in life thinking that people are just supposed to do for you. That's one thing that I have never taken for granted. If anybody does anything for me, I tell you thank you. And uh, I know people get uh, so used to me saying it that it, when I do say it, it's just like, oh, whatever. But it's legit. It's a, le it's a legitimate thing. It's legit yeah. because I've been homeless. I've been, you know, uh, depressed to the point where I didn't want to live to see the next day. I've been an angry individual where I saw red. I'm the only one out of all my dad's uh, kids that's been suspended every year up until sophomore year for fighting. So it's like I've been where a lot of people are, but I had to start making conscious choices on, am I going to keep making excuses for my behavior or, and, and you know, perpetuating this angry black man trope, you know, yeah, people, people ain't going to fuck with me because, you know, I'm, I'm an angry black man, but on the inside I'm dying. So I had to make a choice. And at this point, the way people perceive me is not my responsibility. What is my responsibility is making sure that I present over something that, you know, you can be empathetic to. So that I think that's where we have to start making decisions on better decisions when it comes to how we treat our women, how we treat ourselves, most importantly. Um, how, creating boundaries, creating things that are going to help us healthily, you know, get our mental together because at the end of the day, if you don't take care of yourself, nobody else will. Exactly. It really do start with you. But uh, I guess I go back to like what you were saying about uh, learning that you're not going to always win or whatever. I feel like things like that, my parents didn't even like, you know, I understand. I caught it and I understand, but it wasn't until you start actually trying and putting effort into things and taking the ill that you start realizing like how hard that is. And it's like, I feel like nobody sat back and told me that. But it's because like when I got something wrong as a kid, it was dumb. Was you dumb or some shit? What the fuck? Why you? How you fucked that up? You dumb. So it's like I got to the point where I'm kind of a perfectionist. I don't ever want to get shit wrong because if I get shit wrong, then it's it's attached to that makes me dumb. And that was one of the things that I had to pick up in counseling. You know, at the time when I went, I'm in school full time. I think I had I had two jobs. I had a job at the hotel and I was working on a desk. So my day is eight. Like, and I don't have no car, so I walk everywhere too. So my day is like eight, and I'm in counseling, and I'm mad because I'm like, yo, I'm trying so hard, but it's like I can barely get above a C or a B in some of these classes, and I'm like, I'm just mad at myself. Like, I should be doing better than this. And my counselor had to sit up and say, how many hours do you work? I was like, probably like 25, 30 hours a week. She was like, and you're in school like 12 hours? She's like, yeah. She's like, and you walk everywhere, right? I'm like, yeah. She was like, are you doing your best? Are you going as hard as you can go? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going crazy trying to try That's to type it in. And she was like, you can't compare yourself to people. Exactly. You know, I'm in class with kids who don't have to work at all. You know, I'm in college. White people, Asian people, they come from affluent areas. They don't have to think about the things that I have to think about. She's like, you can't compare yourself to these people. Y'all are not living the same life in any shape, form, or fashion. And she was like, for you 
to be able to time manage to still get your things done and put the effort in, even with the lack of things that you had. Because even in my studio sessions that I would have in school, I always got like, I want to say at least 30 minutes less time because I had to walk from the security desk to get the uh, key for the studio. Now to walk to the studio, which is like 15 minutes between each other. And then we're supposed to get the key back on time for the next person. Me being the man of integrity I am, I honored that. Even when it wasn't honored on my end, it screwed me over. I honored that. So I would stop my session 15 minutes ahead of time to go walk over there and make sure I get him that key so the next person can get in on time. So, you know, she was telling me, she's like, you're effectively working at a disadvantage at all times, yet you're still keeping pace. She was like, imagine if you didn't have your situation, you would be surpassing your fellow classmates. And even that's one of the things you have to look at. But, like, because this is life for us, we not taught that. You used to, I'm used to seeing my mom work a lot. You know, I'm used to seeing my dad having two jobs and multiple hustles. That's for black people growing up. I mean, for millennials at least, because our parents was the first ones getting to that job market like that. And they didn't knock it all the way down like that. So for millennials at least, like for some of us, that's normal shit to us. So we going harder on ourselves thinking I'm fucking up somewhere because this is normal life and I'm not keeping normal life. But, but that's not where you need that's to have not a, normal life. That's where you have to get a shift in perspective, like how the therapist exactly. helped you actually see what the actuality of things. That's why I hate social media. Like I hate so I fucking hate social media. <laughs> I really do. And I'm trying to stop cussing as much as I used to. But legit, the fact that this thing where we show our perfect moments and we compare our imperfect lives to everybody else's snapshots of their good moments. You will never see some of those millionaires where they struggled paying bills or struggled paying employees or didn't have taxes and stuff taken care of. But let me show y'all my check. You won't see that they struggling now. You won't see that these millionaires that we like, exactly. they are renting cars to post. Just like they used to rent cars and videos. These kids, they're renting cars to put on their Instagram. They're wearing fake jewelry that looks real because it's Instagram. You're not going to be able to see how real or not it is from a picture unless you're just a jewelry expert. It's like, you know, it's even like now I talk to my younger cousins. They do music or whatever or like younger people. And I'm saying all the time, like, yo, when you see a rapper that's 17 or 18, please understand he did not get to where he's at on his own at he all. He didn't. And they look at me like I'm crazy, but I'm telling them, I said, and this is granted, my career has even, like, people, I'm doing this podcast to get my career up started. But I'm like, fam, it takes so much money and so much savviness about this industry to get to it. To to point your your song is even regional. Well, your region knows your music, let alone an album. And you're telling me a nigga that's 17 has went platinum out of it don't happen like that. Somebody knows what's going on with this business. Somebody has connections. Somebody understands how to maneuver artists. That person may not even know how he may even have producers stuff helping him to put the music together. Because like at that age, straight out yourself, you don't even have a good idea of how to put the music all the way together to make it effective. You know how to make a song that you like, but you don't know how to make a song that's going to be effective that millions of people are going to like at that age. But it's like when they sell it to the kids, you know, when we're that age, because we both do music. So we, I'm sure we started 19 years. When you're that age, all you see is that person is there. They the same age as me. And you're trying to do everything they're doing, but you can't. This is It's an illusion. You can't be that. That person that's 18 has a team with niggas that are 35 and 40 putting everything in place to make sure everything is right. All he got to do is not die from the drugs he's doing <laughs> or get shot by somebody he beefing with. <laughs> I'll even take it a step further. Like, a lot of times we'll compare our even our peers. Like, you'll see 
folks your age getting married, getting these jobs, having kids, you know, making certain amounts of money, certain exactly. making certain kind of moves, or even like the the couple goals things. But you don't get to see the truth of what goes on behind closed doors. You don't get to see the arguments. You don't get to see, you know, the drama that they're going through. You don't get to see the the things they're dealing with with their children. You don't but, get to see that, that you know, they got that raise of their job, but you don't get to see the fact that they may have bought a house that it really is out of their they bracket. That yeah, they that they're living afford. outside of their means. Yeah, like, but, you don't get to see all You don't know that they still, even though this person making, what, probably eight, 7000 a month, he's still living check to check because they got all this stuff because they want to make it look like we up there now. And you'll never see that. Like, you'll never see, like, even when people look at me, that's why I'll be like, what, what you looking at? Like, I'm just like everybody else. I hustle. I work three jobs to do what I do. You know, I'm still an artist. I still do whatnot. But people would be looking at me like, oh, Jay got it all, or Jay got this, Jay got this. You don't know what Jay going through behind closed doors. But I don't glorify, you know, things like you should be here, or this is a couple goals, or this is family. No, this is just what it is. But I also allow people to see the other side of things. Like I got a YouTube channel that we're starting where you get to see the struggle because I've considerably gained weight. But I want you to see the fact that as it comes off, it didn't happen because I got on the operating table and it didn't happen just because I was just so happy go lucky to, yes, diet time. Like, no. <laughs> as, a, as a person who sat in front of you who's lost at least 30, it's definitely not, yes, diet time. At it's all. more like, fuck. <laughs> but is that, that fuck is like, I'm going to do this shit, though. Right. Uh, but I'm going to get up and do this shit. You but know? You need, we need to allow people to see our struggles. We need exactly. people to see because you got this next generation coming up, and then you even got our peers who are beating themselves senseless because, shoot, I ain't got this like him or I ain't got that like her. When The, the beauty of it is all you're required to be is the best you you, you can, can be. be. That's it. And I think that once we start grasping that concept and quit trying to impress other people or trying to get to a certain level that we feel like we should be because this other person's there, I think a lot of the the boundaries and chains and, you know, things that hold us back as black men will kind of start falling off because we are uh, the only thing that we're doing is trying to just better ourselves. Like if I'm moving at a slower pace than you, that's fine. I'm going to get there. But you know, you go on and maybe there's something in you that you can teach me that I can help get on. But that's what we have to get to. Okay. So the next question is like, you know, do you think you put other people like as a black man, do you think that you choose to put everybody before yourself? Yes. I wanted to start it off because of what you just, <laughs> no, nah, I just want to start it off. So like, and this may be what I need to really talk to my counselor about. So, like, one of my main things is, like, just how I view weakness. And it's, like, and not in the sense of, like, how it's taught their weakness is. Because, like, things that I had to do on my own showed me what true strength is. So, you know how they like to tell you that crying is weak. But, no, nah, like, I ain't going to lie to you. As a nigga who done cried, it really takes two true strength to let them tears roll down and just be, like, because even one of the things I had to learn, you know, we talking about weakness. One of the things I learned, like, I had an aggression issue. And I still got, like, I'm still an aggressive person with people. But one of the main things behind the aggression, when I want to, I get mad and I be like, yo, I'm going to beat this nigga up. I'm going to fight him or whatever. And like, for real, I really be feeling like that when I get mad. I be like, fuck it, I'm going to fuck this nigga up. But I learned, I, I learned something, though. And what I learned was, because there's been situations where I'd be that mad, but it'd be like a woman I'm mad at, so I couldn't fight. And I remember one time I was with my mom and I was so angry, the tears just started coming down my eyes. And she's like, what you crying for or whatever? Like, you know, and she wasn't trying to be messed up. But my mom, she wasn't taking the situation seriously. So she just looked at me like I'm crazy. But I was like really hurt. And that's what I learned. Like when I be like angry, aggressive, want to fight somebody, 
it ain't because like I'm the toughest nigga on earth and this nigga gonna feel me. If you want somebody to feel you that bad, it's because they hurt you. Yeah. And that's why I learned. I learned, I be telling folks now, I said, like, look, it's gonna come out one to two ways for me. It's gonna come out in tears, or it's gonna come out with these fists. And we're scared <laughs> to show when we are hurt. That's because yeah. we were always taught crying is for bitches. Yeah. Or don't do this, or don't show no, don't let a nigga see you yeah. sweat. And while all these, you know, are components of being a man, yeah. you have to know, like, just like there's a time to be happy, there's a time to cry. Yeah, it's and, time to cry, it's a time to feel. But yeah. even in that, though, like, you know, because transition out of it, like I said, I learned that's actually strength to be able to cry. But my thing is, like, for me, I guess, like, for me, it's, like, being a victim, right? And I mean in any capacity. It's something I, that's why I know I need to talk to a counselor about, because it's just something I realize. Anytime I make, I take all my pride in my life in the fact that, I can figure it out. I can figure it out. I can work through it. I can fight through it. That's really how I pride myself. People like, you know, people, you be around us. I mean, people think I'm crazy and shit because I carry myself. But I be like, nah, that nigga got me fucked up. You finna tell me this. I'm finna do this. And I be like, I take charge and I take command. Like you said, that's why I'm tight with you. That's why I like you. Like, I say, I look at you as an OG. You one of the few people that when you start talking, I know I can be quiet because I said, I trust him. He going to make sure it get done right. <laughs> so I can sit back. But I'm always in situations with people who, like, I can't trust their motives or what they're trying to do. They may not be able to see it how I see it. So I got to step up there. But I got so used. That's from, like, 15 to, like, 28. I got so used to being that person that even the smallest instances of victimhood make me so mad. Because it's like, it hurts to realize there was nothing that I could do. I just had to accept it. Like, look, I can give you an example. Like, my homegirl probably tripping off me this day. I went to the Burger King um, Union by that Exxon. It's a, uh, I know which one. The yeah, I went one. to that Burger King, right? The ghetto one. I pulled up. I had $50 in my pocket. I had two 20s and a 10. It's $50 in my pocket. I know what I got because I counted out. Paid for my food. I got like a $5 meal. She gave me some change back. I'm looking at her hand. I'm like, hey, man, you owe me a couple. You owe me five, don't it? And she was like, nah. And I was like, I paid you with a 10. She's like, no, nah, you paid with a five. She dropped the money she was supposed to give me. It's sitting right beside the register. I'm looking at it. So I'm like, fam. And then, like, I showed the receipt. I said, you run me up for $10. You gave me some change back. You owe me five. I tell the manager, the manager, like, oh, you know, they, they ring it up wrong sometimes. Hey, first of all, as a manager, why the fuck would you tell that your workers don't know how to do their job? You're not supposed to do that. Everybody knows that. So they ring it up wrong sometimes. So I'm just sitting here looking at these folks. I'm like... Cause I'm broke. I don't. I cannot. I, right, unfortunately, right. guys, I'm at a point in life still where I cannot <laughs> lose five dollars for no goddamn reason. Hell, I, so but I, I really left that Burger King and like for an hour, I was on the phone. With my homegirl ran, angry, and I know she was like, cause she used to me being calm. She's like, what the fuck is wrong with this nigga? I'm like, I hate being a victim in every capacity. I do not like the idea that I'm in a situation that I literally can't do anything about. But it's like you said. It's because I signed that with weakness. But, like you said, it happens. Mm -hmm. You can't, I, as, as much as I can control, there's so much more that I can't. And, and I it's think, like you have to accept that. And, and that's no, like one of the things I'm struggling with. So we talking about even, like I said, this question is do we feel like we put people above us? Part of how I get my thing of not being a victim is putting my family above me sometimes. If my mom asked me to do it, I will sit down and rework my schedule however I can to go do it for her. My big brother can curse me out and call me a stupid piece of shit. And in 10 seconds, I will sit up and figure out how I can get him to and from work all week. My little brothers can be out of town. I can be broke. They can say they need some money. I will sit down, put feet to pavement to figure out how to get them that money. 
But when I need help from them, I cannot. It takes so much in me to build it up to say, yo, guys, I'm in a jam. I really need y'all. And it's so wild. Like, that's why I thought that question, because I'm no, like, because it's black men. It's like, why is that? I'm laughing because you're where I was about five years ago. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you what my therapist told me. He told me it's okay for you. You're always going to be the villain in somebody else's story. Yeah. So you have to, although that you love these people, your love isn't based on what you do. It's who yeah. you, based on who you are. But so it's not I, even they love that I'm fighting for. It's like my to feed my yeah, own. Yeah, I'm saying for you like feel strong. For you, yeah. it's just like you have to be okay. Like the biggest word that I had to learn five years ago that I'll give anybody real quick now is no. Because I will break my back. If somebody calls me, that's how it was then. If you call me and you needed me, I'm there. Yeah. No matter what it took, I don't care if I was, I work overnight. If I'm getting ready to lay down and go to sleep and you call me, Jay, I need you, I'm getting up. Now, and it was, I wouldn't say that much. Now, don't, that's not the issue. Because if I can't do it, if I really can't do it, then I'd be like, hey, look, nigga, you asked out. <laughs> no, but what it. I'm saying but is, yeah. it, it's not even a thing of if I really can't do it, do I want to do yeah. it is the thing that I battled with. Because ah, okay. a lot of times I was doing things I necessarily didn't feel like doing, but because yeah. you called me, you need me, here I come. Yeah. But, um, when he told me that, like, you're always going to be the villain in somebody else's story, he was like, so you control what pleases you and makes yeah. you happy. It doesn't mean make you selfish. It means well, that if I don't want to do this right now, it's okay that I don't want to do well, this right now. let me reiterate the story because I, I want us to be on topic. So the issue is not so much that part. Okay. All that is regulated. The issue is the part of when I do, when it's time for me to be the person in need. That's why I have the issue at when I need to go ask for help. That's where my pride. That's where my pride start coming in and being like, "What you asking them for?" Like I say, some I don't want to say what be thinking in my head sometimes. I know one of the thoughts have been, "This person can't even take care of themselves. How you gonna ask them for help?" And it's even in thinking that right there. I don't like that that thought come to my head because why am I looking at somebody that I say I love? Why am I looking at them in such a negative light? You know, that's a thought come to my head. But it's just that part right there. And like I said, because it's like I just assign these things with weakness and victimhood, but it's not because in real life, everybody needs, like, it's just, it's life. Everybody is going to need, you can't be up all the time because you don't know everything. So, because you don't know everything, you're always going to be in a situation in which you need somebody's help and you have to humble yourself. But it's like that thing in me that is like, if you humbling yourself now or you asking these people to help, how they going to look at you? You know, can't I just, I that. built this character in my head that I, like you said, I'm the pillar. So if the pillar is falling, are the people going to hold it up or are they going to panic and let it all collapse? It's like that thought process. In reality, with my family and friends, they will hold me up. But I just had, because I tell myself I'm the pillar, I had this thought in my head that, but what if they don't? I got to figure it you've out. You've made I can't yourself Superman. Like exactly. You, you've made yourself something that's... Um, you can't be. My therapist said perfection is nothing but perverted procrastination. When he told me that, I was sitting there like, what? Because <laughs> I'm a perfectionist. So it's like, huh? And then I, he, when he broke it down, like it made perfect sense. So when you're this pillar and you're, expect, you're expecting yeah. you yeah. to be the pillar, that ain't always what they're expecting out exactly. of you. And that's where it comes where you have to mentally break down 
the construct you built about you in your head exactly. to being what it actually is. A lot of times they just like you're dependable. Yeah. That's it. They don't exactly. see you as I need you to survive. I, exactly. And it, it, we've built that in our heads as oh, if I don't do this, I got it. I got happen. And you know, if I or like like I said, now you so much fun to do to build. Like you know, if I if I'm in this situation yes. and I show them that I'm human. And I bleed like they're human, and they they're bleed, gonna look at me that, different. Are they gonna look at me different? And are they gonna be like, what? Well, uh, and it's like, but in reality, it's like I tell them all the time, that ain't even what matter right now, nigga. <laughs> like you know, not to yell at myself, like niggas, that's not what matter right now. You need help. Yeah, you, know? you gotta let pride get to the point where, like I told you, that situation taught me everything about reciprocity, mm. true reciprocity, yeah. because I've been pouring into people for years, and I never expected yeah. anything back. Yeah. I hardly ever ask anybody to do anything for me. It takes mm -hmm. a lot for me to be like, but I had to realize that's pride. I have to be humble enough to, if I need some, speak up and say exactly. something because a closed mouth don't get fed. Exactly. And then I'm sitting over there torturing myself because I don't have something when I could have very easily have asked for it exactly. because my pride says that I'm a pillar and I'm supposed to look like this when in actuality, they're not looking at me as a pillar. They look at me like, this my homie, this my exactly. brother. And you know, if my brother's in need... got my back when I need him, so I want to return that favor. Exactly. But it's just so hard. It's like I said, it's just all keeps relating back to this being black men and how we're raised. You know, they teach us that, like, you know, you got to be the backbone of your household. Me, personally, my belief on relationships and all that is that I believe it needs to be fluid. And when I say fluid, I mean, like, when I fall, you got me. When you fall, I got you. It needs to. It makes more sense for it to be like that, because, like I said, it's things that we can't control. I used. I had a relationship in which I would ask, and I say all the time, if something happened to me tomorrow, like I was the one making the money, I said, if something happened to me tomorrow, what's gonna happen with our relationship? Are you gonna pick up where I can't pick up no more, or are you gonna be gone? And that person I was dating at the time, I was a young age acting that too. I was acting at like 21, 22. She wasn't. She, she left. <laughs> she got tired of me asking that, but I was so dead serious because I was like. She would talk to me about marriage all the time. So I'd be like, so we're going to talk about marriage. We have to talk about what I need for me to be comfortable married. I need to know that you're going to be dependable, that I can depend on you when I'm weak too. You know, the thing that I how, said, I don't even want to be. That's how I marriage works. Know you can pick that up if I can't. And it was like. That's what marriage is, though. Marriage is like, although is, the male is supposed to be there to be the provider and the protector, but if he goes down, that's what you have your wife who's supposed to be your helper, your help me. That uh, when I go down, you're supposed to pick up the slack until I'm back good. Exactly. Like, and that, again, that's the reciprocity thing. I think reciprocity goes, should be applied to every relationship that we have friendships, brotherhood, marriages, whatever you got going. If you can't, uh, be poured back into after you've been given to somebody else, you need to reevaluate that relationship. And if it's something you got a question, like um, I can see if you're questioning yourself as to, you know, ooh, am I worthy of, because that's one thing my therapist was like, well, do you feel like you're worthy to be replenished by these people? And that was a yeah. mental battle I had to go in my head was like, damn, am I worthy? Exactly. And But that's a self-confidence issue. That doesn't mean that my village or my, my people can't hold me up. That just means I have to be vulnerable enough, and that's something that we as black men got to work on. I'm we have to be learn to be vulnerable enough with the people that we trust and love to be like, okay, if I fall, you got me. Exactly. But, man, oh man like I said, we got to cut off at some point, man. We got to lie. So, I cut off here. Uh, your social medias, all of those things. Uh, 
Instagram is underscore J dot Aaron. Uh, Twitter is underscore J-A-Y underscore A-A-R-O-N. So go back to Instagram, underscore J-A-Y dot A-A-R-O-N. Um, I think that's all my socials. I got a text number that people can text to actually reach me, a music line. I want to say that number is 350-4551, Correct me if I'm wrong. You know, just hit me up in my DMs and I'll gladly give it over to you. But yeah, that's it. Y'all know me, uh, at underscore D-E-E-A-Y-E underscore Twitter. And I think on Instagram is at T-H-E-D-E-E-A-Y-E-S-H-O, the D-A show on Instagram. Unfortunately, I was, <laughs> I'm not going to give y'all the Facebook. I'm going to stop lying. <laughs> the, the first two episodes, I was like, I'm going to learn my Facebook and I'm going to give it to them. And I keep forgetting <laughs> to go like, I have a Facebook page. It's D-A. So D E E A Y E, type that in on Facebook. It, it should, should pop, pop up. up. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I gotta get this in way more order. <laughs> I'm trying, guys. He'll put it in the links. That's what that's All what right. he'll do. He'll put it in the links. Everybody. I'll put it. In, I definitely will. That's what I actually do. Do I put it in the show notes? But uh, man, thank you for listening. This is the DA show. I'm the DA show. I really appreciate y'all for listening. Communicate with us. Let us know how y'all feel. Join the discussion. I talk about mental health a lot. Twitter, Facebook, wherever you see me at. Hit me up, and I will talk to you about it. I got hell of self-help books, counseling. That's like almost a hobby for me. It's weird. <laughs> but, it's not weird. <laughs> I mean, some of my sessions, sometimes I have to sit back like, damn, nigga, how much you going to take in? But at the same time, it's like, you know, not I learned for me, it's like, uh, I call it unlearning. So I really do try to take a lot of that information in to get away from, you know, try to replace the shit that, the negative shit that was put in. Yeah. yeah but yeah. yeah. But that's the episode. Appreciate y'all for listening. Thank you.